Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> One hundred and eighty-two thousand dollars. One hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. This guy got fined. This drone guy. Now, see, I think this story is a little blown out of proportion. All right. First of all, this guy. Here's a way of looking at it. This guy did not get fined one hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. All right. He got. He he didn't like do something wrong with his drone and get fined one hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. According to the story, he did something wrong a hundred or rather 123 times for which he got fined fifteen hundred dollars each okay um so jeb your comment here was rules are for people aircraft yeah do you i mean what's your what, uh, so well this guy was clearly reckless i mean uh, uh, translate what he did as a as a drone operator into what um, might have been a, a, a presume he was the pilot of a of a manned or peopled crewed aircraft. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. He he's reckless flying over four hundred feet. That's a rule violation uh, that anybody with a drone should know. Reckless flying. Well, okay, you know, there by the grace of God go I. Flying in the rain, fog, and in strong winds. Um, well, um. Flying VFR into IMC, uh, strong winds. I don't know what's a strong wind, but you know whatever. Um, these are just typical violations uh, and and stuff that we see from uh, uh, pilots of crewed aircraft mm-hmm. who just don't believe the rules apply to them. Yeah, I, yeah. You know the part of this, the part of this that I think is perfectly reasonable. All right, is that this guy's clearly scofflaw, you know, kind of like disregarding because you know, it's like, you know, you, you might do this once or twice naively, not realizing that it's A, unsafe or B, against the rules, but 123 times, you know, I mean, by somewhere in that sequence, he learned yeah. that what he was doing was considered wrong. And, yeah. um, and so, I don't know, I, so if the, you know, well, it's yeah. possible that he had multiple violations per flight, but it's clear that they've totaled up 123 violations. Right. That's what at least that's what the story says. Here, well, and is. and the videos that he streamed and they posted well, online yeah. had incriminating flight data posted where everybody could see it. I know. Yeah, this guy was apparently running a. That was the whole point was that he was running a, a Twitch cum YouTube. Uh, channel um and and live streaming and then and then publishing his drone videos which i i i gotta figure at least visually were interesting videos it sounds like an interesting thing to watch but but he did it apparently in a pretty unsafe manner and all well told, well then his his drone software was popping messages up on his monitor well, that, that he was yeah. violating condition or violating uh <laughs> rules yeah well his <laughs> rules don't apply to me yeah. come on come on um yeah I don't know. Okay. And and for the record, we do know and acknowledge that it can be legal to fly your drone over 400 feet. Yes. And commercial drone pilots, those that have gone to the trouble to get the license and pass the test, but they still have to notify the local air traffic authorities and get a uh, uh, get permission for where and when they're going to do that flight 
because otherwise we couldn't be seeing some of the uh, news photography that we do that was taken by drones. Right. But those guys, like the, uh, the photography staff at the Wichita Eagle here, they're all licensed drone pilots. Mm-hmm. They're all commercially qualified, and they go through what they need to go through to uh, be able to produce their work. But they go through what you got to go through. Uh, right. They they don't just do it ad hoc, and they sure as hell don't post uh, <laughs> flight data on what they produce. <laughs> yeah. It's like begging. Come on, I mean, it's like begging to get caught. I I yeah I I don't even know what to say about that. But it, it, it's you know right. I mean, over the years, there's been, it seems to me that there's always been a question. Now, I'm not talking about drones now. I'm talking about regular, you know, our, you know, a human, what's the word, human-occupied aircraft, right? Um, humans on board, right? That would be the sticker that you would put on your back window, right? Humans on board. You know, you're not getting the joke. Anyways, um, so... Uh, um, I-, I got the joke. It just wasn't fun. <laughs> okay. Uh you know, so as we do our thing as pilots, and 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 pilots from time to time, maybe even me, make mistakes and and violate the rules, all right, um, uh, and or, or do things that are dangerous, you know, maybe inadvertently. At, at what point? So up to a certain point, that ought to be a training thing, right? That ought to be like, okay, we're going to cite you. We're going to like see what you're going, what's going on here. We're going to give you a stern talking to. We're maybe going to require you to have some more training, but it doesn't necessarily involve jail time you know um but but then there you beyond a certain point you know maybe it should involve at least fines if not jail time right and it's always seemed to me that one of the good things about the way aviation worked was that we didn't automatically throw the book at people all right we said let's do some retraining here let's assume that it was it was you know what it was and 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 move forward um i well, I, I, I don't know. There, there's I, there's casual and there's habitual. There's accidental, there's coincidental, and then there's there's get in your face. And it sounds like, I don't know this guy, and I've never watched any of his videos, but if he's posting videos to a streaming service that um, clearly show him violating the rules, you have to question his judgment from the get-go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think the guy. I think the hundred eighty-two thousand guy is definitely, you know, deserves something. Maybe whether it's the hundred eighty-two thousand, but yeah, he's 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 in the wrong, and there ought to be some consequences. But uh, anyways, I don't know. Is this his picture, by the way? So this story we're looking. What are we looking here? This is uh, from our 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 current favorite aviation publication, RV Travel. Um, <laughs> that's what this is. RV yes, Travel. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. RVTravel.com um, is uh, a drone hobbyist fined whopping one hundred eighty-two thousand dollars by FAA for breaking rules. Well, All right. Okay. Um, Does, uh, there's a video here of a guy wearing a yellow Vermont shirt. I'm just I haven't watched this video and I'm trying to figure out if this is the the drone guy or if this is the RV travel guy telling the story. I, I want to think it's well, I don't know. I should I, I suppose I could just click play, but then that would put me into a place that I don't want to go because I don't have I don't know. Anyways, all right. Any thoughts on this? Are we done? I think we're done. I think we've we've, we've squeezed all of the we've squeezed what little good juice there is out of this particular subject. You know, I, I, I guess I do have a lingering question. Yeah. Is there some sort of a nexus 
between drones and recreational vehicles. Uh, I, 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 hmm. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I bet there is. I bet there absolutely is. You know, um, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I, I know some RV travelers who have drones that sure. take you know shots of the campground they're staying in tonight, and but. Uh, as a regular thing, not that I've noticed, uh, but this this guy, you know, he went online, he live streamed his disappointment, his uh, his his uh, unhappiness with being fined. He cried. People donated money, uh, and his, his his defense was he didn't know that there was any laws about that. Okay, and right. that's usually that's usually a big piece of paper in the boxes that the drones come in. Well, that too. But I'm thinking, you know, like I don't imagine that the 123 um, citations all arrived in one delivery of the mail. All right, I gotta figure they arrived over time. In the uh, future, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. Well, yeah, okay, there, yeah, in the present. Um, by the way, look at this. By the, uh, you don't have to play the video, but just look at the sna- the thumbnail here of the video that's in this story, and on the top of the shelf behind his head. So before we pushed record, um, you were you were berating me for talking about different kinds of microphones. You were oh, and the guy's got a mess of them, and he's got quite a little museum of different microphone types back there on that shelf behind him. Um, he's got his YouTube. Just, just more evidence. Yeah. This is a, you know, rate my room. I would make this, this is a uh, 8 out of 10. That's what I'd call this background. This is 8 out of 10. He's got some interesting microphones. He's got some interesting cars there pi- on the shelf. He needs a pineapple. Uh, he needs a pineapple. That's true. He's got license plates from Virginia. He's got a, a mug from Canada. Uh, he's got his YouTube silver. Uh, I don't know what that means about how many subscribers he's got, but he's got that... You know, I've got a lot of subscribers thing that everybody shows so proudly. Um, and uh, books. He's got a caution low flying like aircraft sign. Books. Uh, where do you see a set of log books? Around right? the or bottom either side of him. Okay. Of, of they look more like they look more like legal, you know, uh, laws, books of Didn't I just say that? Oh, law! Oh, I thought you said log books, like you no, know, you write books. down, like law write down. Yeah, 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 law books. No, I agree. And, and, and the and the uh, the cap on it all is the sign up in the upper right: "Caution, low flying aircraft." <laughs> exactly. So okay. I don't know. So, Maybe we'll figure out whether this is the drone guy or not. But I, I, I'm, I already I, was slayed, buried a long time ago. But uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Hi. Oops. Don't do that. Yeah. What is See, that? Springy noise. Uh, it's, it's, it's like it's, a cartoon soundtrack. No, I accidentally banged the mic stand and the, the spring-loaded things vibrated. Prong. Hi, guys. How you doing? What's going on? Oh, just spiffy. <laughs> okay. So, um, David said it's 12 degrees, and Jeb is being de- is being tactful and not telling us what the temperature is there. Um, but uh, what's going on? How, how are you guys doing? Everything all right? Yeah, what, yeah, just... Uh, You've been working on anything fun? No. <laughs> no, uh, no I, I've been working on my logbook. I've got um, paper logs, of course. I've got airplane logs. I've got um, four-flight um, entries uh, from its logbook appli- mini-application or, or sub-application. Yeah. And I've got a, a, a roll-your-own spreadsheet that I started years ago. And I want to get all this stuff in sync. 
and good, it's good luck with that. Yeah, okay. good luck with that. Um, but so I've been doing a lot of that. It's it's been foggy here in the mornings and and uh, uh, really breezy in the evenings. Go figure. And uh, so I haven't been doing any flying, but uh, uh, or not much anyway. In the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just living through uh, what Florida is trying to figure out he wants to be. You know? Yeah, I know, right? There you go. There you go. David, what's going on with you? You all right? Everything? It's 12 degrees. I'm very sympathetic. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's colder than a well digger's shovel. Uh, <laughs> Thank that was you a for, great, for the family. No, I, 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 I knew that would make your heart pause for uh, one beat. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it did actually. I'm like, oh, what's he going to say now? Uh, yeah, no, that was a good one. I, go, I can work with that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's cold. But I, I'm blessed with uh, plenty of work to keep me busy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm plowing through that. And uh, I'm waiting for one more. Uh, piece of uh, documentation to come so I can take all my paperwork to my accountant and get that annual process rolling. Uh, Doctor on Tuesday was happy with my health and... All right, congratulations. Yeah, uh, and uh, a little dubious of the fact that I I go out a couple of nights a week after my weekly uh, abstention for uh, from al- alcohol because of a med that I take mm-hmm. and uh so at the end of those three days going out on Wednesday night like I did last night was is always feels like uh, it, uh kind of celebratory uh and it was too bloody cold to even think about having a beer so uh we had a little Irish at the place where we stopped, ah, and nice. that warmed us up suitably to get back yeah. in the car and go home. Sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. So I celebrated I, – I, I have a hard time saying this word. I celebrated dry newary this year. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dry newary? So apparently it's a thing. It's like, I don't know if it's just an internet thing or if it's more than just an internet thing, but dry newary is people who, who for the, the month of January choose to not – consume alcohol so it, it's dry newary it's actually a hashtag on the internet if you go to twitter or something do dry newary with a hashtag and so i did dry newary this year um mostly because i was just trying to lose you know, i was trying to get back into the swing of fitness and losing some weight and such and so i figured one way i can cut calories is just to not drink the bourbon that i enjoy um but Drynuary is over now, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, Irish whiskey. For me, it's Kentucky bourbon, but you get the idea. Jack, you remember that bottle of really fine bourbon that, that you or Jeb got was kind of a round bottle? Yes, Blanton's. And, that was Blanton's. That, a well, listener gave that I was going to say, didn't a listener give us yep, give us a that? a listener yeah, gave that yeah. to I re- us. Now I remember where it came from. Yep. Well, I've... Uh, what? I caught the uh, the movie uh, John Wick uh, a couple of nights ago, and then a couple of nights later, Chapter Two, and in both of those movies, you see that that particular bourbon being what's poured at the Continental Hotel bar. 
Yeah. Where he stays with Ooh. other criminals. And I thought, well, that definitely shows the Continental to be an upscale place because yeah. you just don't find that bourbon everywhere. No, no. Oh, and man, Blanton's, Blanton's at the bar is, is kind of a pricey, you know, uh, indulgence. Uh, yeah, I, that's, I don't, I don't think I've even had, yeah, the listener, a listener, I apologize. I wish I could remember the listener's name, but we, it was very, very thoughtful and, and we enjoyed it a lot. Um, and, uh, but we, so we saved that bottle. Yeah. I still so, have the bottle, I, I believe. Or you have that? the bottle. Do you have the bottle? I or, or might, I? I might have the bottle. I'm not sure. But so a listener gave that to us at, at Oshkosh at the uh, tie down party. And and we didn't immediately drink it there, and we sort of saved it, and then it kind of followed us around, and we figured we knew we were going to be together, I guess, the following winter in Hidden River, and so the three of us were together at Hidden River, and here's the point of the story, all right? So this we knew this was a really nice bottle of whiskey, and we wanted to savor it, right? And so the three of us are together at Hidden River, and we break open the bottle with the plan of just kind of having a little taste, all right, and really making it last, all right? And like three hours later, the bottle is empty sitting on its side on the counter because yeah. it was so good. It was so good. Yeah, that was that yeah. was a thing. And uh, that was Blanton's. Blanton's is good. A tough act to follow, listeners. But uh, if you want to try to one-up that one, <laughs> knock yourselves out. No, no. Well, all right. Okay. So listen, be careful. Don't go crazy, listeners. But we certainly do appreciate these things. Um, just be, be okay. <laughs> all right, Jeb. You're going to make all right. All right. What, what else? Aviation. What, what's going on in aviation that you guys care anything about? I told you I wasn't making a list this week. It's up to you. Yeah, Pick no, some. I, 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 I finally did get um, a big thing sorted out on the airplane after the uh, engine uh, overhaul. Uh, I had to get tweaked up the fuel flow. Finally, got it, got it sorted out. Oh, so okay. That's that's. I'm I'm much more relaxed now about flying the airplane. Still, a little, you know, infant mortality thing going on because it's a fresh engine. Right. But, uh, um, yeah. But- yeah. I don't know from 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 uh, from uh, stalking you the way I do on Flight Aware. Um, you must have ten or twenty hours on the new engine now. I've got you? coming up on yeah about ten. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So Which is I mean, not it's still many, it, yeah. You're right. It's still early, but yeah. I mean, I, I, don't don't infant mortality things for new engines happen in the first hour? The first well, the first power change isn't that what they say? Um, no, that's first power change or the, the yeah the first power change is when they uh, fail uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um, isn't for, that what we're uh, concerned it, about here? Well, it is and it isn't. Um, let's back up a second. Let's define what we're talking about. Um, yeah. It, it's it's axiomatic. It's it's accepted lore that uh at least a piston engine uh will fail at the first power re- if it makes it if it makes a full power takeoff. If it's going to fail, it's going to fail at the first power reduction after okay. takeoff. Yep. Okay. That's I don't know that there's any data supporting that. It's just something that has been part of piston aviation for some time right okay and, and, and it makes some sense it, it, it does it, make it, some sense yeah um so a there's that going on okay b there's the general infant mortality uh and i keep using that word of um stuff that's new and that hasn't played well and and worked and played well with each each other piece each other component over over a long period of time 
stuff happens. Right. Okay. Nuts can come unnutted. Um, bolts can come unbolted. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So there's that going on. And then there's um, just the, the, the ability of these pieces of metal to fit and work together. Um, so the first hour or so, depending on the engine and depending on how you run it and depending on a variety of other variables, uh, is spent trying to get the piston um, rings and the cylinder walls to wear down a little bit and fit and, and work more smoothly. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, part of that is to increase compression. Part of that is to uh, reduce oil consumption. Um, it, it's clearly, part of it is to transfer heat. It's clearly a very important part of the engine break-in process. I'm past that part. Okay. I've put, um, as you say, almost 15 hours or so on it. Changed the oil once already at five hours. Uh, still have the, the, the filter material, filter media. Um, there's some speckles in there, which is normal mm-hmm. for uh, an overhauled engine. I'm uh, the next flight I make will get me to the ten hours where I'll um, change the oil again and cut open that filter. That's the one I really want to look at. Okay. Uh, but moving even beyond that 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 ten hour, or I should say fifteen hour total uh, point, is um, basically both Lycoming and Continental say uh, in writing that the break in process is completed generally after 20, 25 hours, and is basically defined as when uh, oil consumption stabilizes. Okay. If that makes any sense. These are air-cooled engines. They're built to fairly loose tolerances. They're not like the the, the uh, V6 in your new Camry. Um, so they're, they have these, they burn oil. Punchline. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh, uh, Let's put it another way. They they consume oil. It may or may not get burned. It may leak out. It may just go overboard in the breather. There's there's all kinds of different ways that oil uh, can be consumed by aircraft piston engine. But all of that having been said, that's one of the benchmarks both major piston manufacturers use. Right. Right. Yeah. I went through that. One more. I'm not there yet. Is the punchline. Okay. David? Well, I uh, had the uh, opportunity to break in a rebuilt engine after my uh, unfortunate incident in the Comanche uh, years ago. And uh, the guy. Which that, unfortunate incident was that? <laughs> yeah, could you be more I'm specific? Sort of I mean, there, there were so many to choose from. No, 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 no. I just wanted him to amplify so that people know what he's talking about. I, I was talking about a gear up landing at uh, the Stearman Field. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, must have been 1997 or 98. I, I'd have to look it up now. But uh, engine, you gear up, you got the sudden stop, the bent prop blades and all that stuff. Uh, the engine had to be sent out for a teardown and inspection per the FAA regulation. Uh, found a couple of things that we were happy to have done the gear landing, gear up landing because of them. One of them was uh, the incorrect fasteners on one of the gears in the accessory case uh, that had to have been done when the engine was previously overhauled. Uh, And then there was a bad lobe on uh, the cam, so we were able to put a new cam in it 
and get the other stuff straightened out. Filled, the shop filled it up with break-in oil. They started it and ran it for 30 minutes and then shut it down and then brought it back and reinstalled it on the Comanche. And the instructions they gave me was run it like a bat out of hell for the uh-huh. first 10 hours. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Full power. Just really make it steam. Then change the oil and then do another 15 hours with the normal oil in it, uh, cycling the power more often than that first 10 hours. Uh, and in both instances, check the uh, oil that drain, we drained out for uh, particulate matter, cut open the filter. Everything was uh, normal. The oil analysis came back fine. Never had another lick of a problem out of that engine, and to my knowledge, it's probably still pulling around that little Comanche up in Canada. But you yeah. got to pay attention to what they tell you, because if you don't, it won't last. That's right. But now, is that a, you know, so, David? You just said something that caught my attention. Um, is it is it more common than people realize that airplanes are filled with all kinds of little things that have been fudged over the years? Um, I'm not necessarily suggesting that they've been overtly, you know, fraud in terms of logbook keeping and record keeping and whatnot. But uh, I have another friend who has an airplane, an older airplane that he bought a couple of years ago, and um, since he's owned this airplane, it's like every 18 months or so, some other little gotcha appears. All right, that's just like you know some previous repair that was done haphazardly or or uh, you know i mean our our airplanes is the american airplane fleet just kind of waiting to fall apart do you think or uh, what do you think i don't think so uh but there is that uh there is that uh, uh what's the word i want to there is that tendency on some field repairs some small shops to do what they got to do to get it out the door and back in the hands of the customer and it's usually not good stuff but it's also usually not fatal i mean you know it's a little thing the wrong washer behind a a a, a nut uh that's not a big deal but putting the wrong kind of bolt for the threads in a gear in the accessory case, that could have been, that could have wound up being a big silent trip to the, uh, to the ground, had it failed. And it, it, they showed it to me. It was actually, not, you couldn't tighten it down to the torque level to want it because the, the the bolt was slightly smaller. And I think what they did was grabbed something that was metric instead of English, and it Ooh. fit well enough that it went in there. And Ooh. they yeah, called it. Seems... They called it good. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Well, of course, that's, the lobe on that yeah, the lobe on that can was just worn. I mean, it was just worn out, but it could have gone completely south and deprived me of that whole cylinder uh, had it not gotten caught. So, got to pay attention. Yeah. Good uh, inspection. Yeah. Good pre-flight. Uh, get an appraisal. The appraisal guy will go through the records like nobody. Yeah. I uh, hadn't talked about this, um, but uh, the reason my engine got overhauled is we'd, we'd pulled it. I don't think we talked about that. I pulled it to have uh, the, all the cylinders replaced. Right. Um, and I don't know if I talked about it on a podcast is my punchline. Right. Um, but 
um, said, you know, the shop said, while we got the engine out, you want us to replace the oil pan gasket. And there wasn't anything wrong with the oil pan gasket, but yeah, okay, it's 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 12 volts or whatever, and you put a new gasket on, you seal it back up, and we don't have to worry about that ever again. So I said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So the next day I get a video from the shop showing, um, looking up from underneath the, bo- the uh, oil pan, essentially, uh, the oil pan being on the bottom of the engine, um, at the... Um, camshaft and a gear on one end of the camshaft the gear that turns the uh, prop governor and there was play in that mm-hmm. gear there should not be any play right. there was about i don't know right. an eighth of an inch or something like that of play and um yeah well we got to break the, we got to crack the case we got to split the cases and if we're going to do that we may as well just overhaul the engine Right, and that's where we—that's where that odyssey yeah. started. No, I, I, yeah, I, I don't um, know whether you said that on the podcast or not, but you told me that privately. Yeah, I, yeah. So, but now, would you characterize that? Uh, it wouldn't necessarily sound to me like that was an instance of someone cutting a corner. That's just sort of a defect that wasn't hadn't been found yet. It's and, not clear to me how it got that way. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um, Basically, as I understand it, I have no evidence uh, um, that this is really the case. I didn't look at it myself. Um, But um, basically, a bolt came loose. Yeah, okay. As I understand it. And and it's possible that it had been that way for a long, long time. Well, all right. Yeah. Um, Interesting stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean... um, I, you know, it's like that's this is this is you know I, I I haven't ruled out the possibility that I'll own an airplane one day, um, and and there are a lot of things to to you know in favor of the idea of owning an airplane, but these things are not one of them. It's like I'm like a little dubious about the idea of being responsible for this kind of stuff. On the other hand, Jeb, the fact that you've had this airplane, how long have you owned this debonair? Twenty long since, since ninety nine. Ninety nine. So. 22 years ish right almost yeah yeah so basically you know i mean if any fudging happened you did it and you know about it i'm well yeah i i I, 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 i'm joking you i don't believe that you've done fudging i've watched you maintain this airplane i didn't i didn't install the the camshaft right right let's put it that way um so my point is that you've owned it so long now that things that were likely to break have broken or been discovered and a couple uh, of times yeah right exactly (laughs) exactly so anyways uh, uh, what else is going on here? Uh, there was a uh, so the NTSB had a pretty serious meeting about the uh, California helicopter crash that killed nine people, including Kobe Bryant. Yeah, they, they've issued a statement of probable cause. Huh? Yeah, now, and I wasn't sure about that. Have they in fact issued probable cause? Yeah, or, yeah I read yeah, it okay. this morning. Um, and so, uh, reading from a story on CNN.com, the um, one quote here, which National is my favorite say, aviation publication. Say again. CNN.com is my favorite aviation publication. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know. They say uh, they're quoting the NTSB somehow, some way, saying charter pilot pushed the limits of bad weather flying rules, climbed into the clouds, became disoriented about the helicopter's position relative to the horizon, which I guess is no surprise. It pretty much is the way it looked, I think, to we kibitzers um, all along. Yeah. Um, It's a a classic case of... VFR into IFR. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Which, and, and, and a variation which, on get homeitis too. Um, you know, it's like he, he he wanted to get where he was going so much that he figured I can do this. We, we're okay. Oh, it's we a classic. It. It, it will go down in in uh, I won't say the annals or anything like that, but it will go down as a long taught example yeah. of various um, character traits various forms of external pressure um, and various failures to to uh, um, conduct adequate aeronautical decision making when, when you speak it, it, it's you know and, and not you know it's, it's bad enough when when a fixed wing pilot like us gets ourselves into this kind of a dicey situation all right because you know you, you have very fewer outs it's a helicopter man you know it's like when he realized that he was jammed up he landed in that parking lot right yeah. there you know he couldn't I, disappoint just, his passenger though well, exactly. And that's why I characterize it as get homeitis. You know, it's kind of like, a, you know, he was highly motivated to get where he was going. I, 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 yeah, I, I haven't yeah, read I'm, the report. Right. I'm sure I'm, that's, that's in there. Right. I, I, you know, so anyways, that's, uh, you know, I mean, I was going to say that's the end of this story. It's not the end, as you said, this training. As a matter of fact, I guess one of the NTSB recommendations was that they're going to upgrade or enhance what is funny wording, but basically corporate charter helicopter pilots get more simulator and scenario-based training in the flying phenomenon known as spatial disorientation. I, you well, know, go ahead, Dave. Uh, the pilot was instrument-rated but not current, and he hadn't had any recurrent training on that in a while, and that that's a, that's a thing that uh, I've read about that my friends that are instrument pilots who I know don't fly enough instruments to be good. Competent, barely, but most of their instrument flying is punching through a layer and getting on top and then maybe coming down for an ILS or a a GPS approach. Uh, But they're under no pressure except to get there on their own. They're not there making money. They're not being hired to do that. And they don't have a multi-millionaire load of uh, passengers in the back that they're trying to keep happy by getting them to, uh, I believe, was a basketball game for uh, one of Bryant's daughters. Yeah, apparently they were headed to, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I took a day, did a day trip yesterday, 10 plus hours of driving. Yeah. I could have flown. Um, I know the airport. uh, It has approaches, all of this kind of thing. I'm instrument current. I got an IPC a couple of weeks ago. Um, the forecast was for very low IFR. Um, and I said, you know, I, I just don't feel comfortable doing that right now. I'm, I'm not as good as I once was. And um, I, I need to make this trip. But anyway, I canceled the trip. I drove instead of flying. Um it turned out that that area that I wanted to be in, that I'd had to drive to, was basically the only spot in Georgia that had bad weather. It was sunny north of there. It was sunny to the south. Right. And it was sunny in, in Florida. But um, it, it, sometimes it works out that way. The punchline is, um, you know, I've done that trip Hundreds of times, not not hundreds of times, but certainly scores of times. Yes, I've sh- I've shot approaches into that airport scores of times. Um, 
but I don't. I just didn't think I was ready to tackle that yesterday. No, so well, I drove. I, I, I'm, I'm, um, I think that's wise. Yeah. I think that's impressive. Um, it, it, see, something both you sort of alluded to, and David said outright. I'm curious about. Um, so the, and I, there are probably lots and lots of pilots for whom the IFR ticket is the ability to climb through 30 seconds of overcast, um, or descend through 30 seconds of overcast, um, and otherwise they fly. They might fly in the system, but they don't fly in IMC. H- how much of a problem is that in terms of of proficiency i mean is that really uh, i'm not sure which question you're asking well Um, i don't know jeb you you pay a lot of attention to yeah there's there's two yeah there's two or three things going on here yeah um one is uh uh, ability to operate in the system sure um the other is of course ability to control the airplane by reference to the flight instruments Mm -hmm. but then the third thing that's going on is the procedures be they um, takeoffs, be they climbs, be they descents, be they approaches, arrivals, whatever. Um, there are many, many more uh, approaches or procedures, I should say, departures, or departures, arrivals, and and uh, approaches than there were uh, even a decade ago. Um, they all require a certain set of procedures. A lot of these are getting more more and more standardized from, say, 30 years ago. Um, but the management and the, the um, sequence of these procedures has gotten more critical in that um, it might not be a crisis if, for example, you didn't hit the marker beacon button on your audio panel so that you hear the Morse code as you fly over the outer marker. But it is a little bit more of a conniption if you didn't put the autopilot in heading mode as required or vice or take it out of heading mode and put it in nav mode or any number of other things, including telling the avionics which fix is it you want to start the approach from. There's so many choices these days. Yeah. I, I can only so, imagine. So there's, little, so there's yeah. just basic airmanship. There's proficiency in the system, talking to ATC and, and understanding what their needs are and how to meet them. And there's nailing the procedures, panel configuration, so many other things. And, and I mean, are there many? I don't. And I know there's specific terminology here: incidents or accidents or whatevers that are attributed to the fact that a pilot is totally legal and, and up to date on their instrument stuff, but isn't really that capable has has kind of gotten rusty does that happen how, often? how long how long do you have how much time, how much time do you yeah, have okay. for me yeah, to go into that okay all right well you know it's it, it used there. to be it used to be under the the, the uh, all-encompassing uh term uh improper ifr or improper ifr operation uh, which is kind of a catch-all, uh-huh. and and as so many others have have discussed um, over the last several years, that's um, does nothing to help us get at the root cause of these kinds of accidents, whether it's um, failure to manage the risk the, the proposed flight entails, whether it's failure to honestly assess your own capabilities and that of the airplane um, failure to assess the weather there's all kinds of different um, things that can crop up uh, if we're not focused and we're not thinking about it and we're not uh, proficient at it yeah interesting David any final thoughts on this 
Well, before I got my instrument rating, uh, some of the pilots that I was hanging out with in those days, she was like, you know, I wouldn't fly across the street without being on instruments. And you get to talking to them, and, well, they were on an instrument flight plan, but how often they actually stuck the nose, the spinner, in inclement weather or in IMC conditions was highly suspect. And started talking to them more. Yeah, I didn't make that trip. The uh, weather was more than what I wanted to handle. Well, you're instrument rated. Yeah, but I'm not up to date. I'm not current. I'm not proficient. Uh, that's showing good judgment. That's showing good judgment. Yeah. Uh, like Jeb, that's a, an excellent example of judgment exercised properly. Uh-huh. Uh, but then the flip side of this is, so how are you going to maintain currency if you never yeah. do it? Yeah. Well, I'll get an IPC, an instrument proficiency check. Oh, good. You'll go out with a CFI one day, probably in clear air, put on a hood, go through the uh, steps that are required to uh, uh, restore your currency. But then are you going to get your nose into uh, into bad weather? Are you, are you actually going to file and fly it? Well, it's going to depend on the day. Uh, I had a hangar neighbor once chew me out because he thought it was, quote-unquote, frivolous that a friend, Annie, and I had gotten into Comanche and flown 55 nautical miles to Ponca City, Oklahoma, for breakfast. It was IMC the whole way. I filed I launched, I flew, I never got out of the clouds. I shot the ILS into uh, into uh, Ponca City. Uh, very few airplanes there because of the IMC in the area. But we knew there was a lot of VFR traffic nibbling around the edges of the weather waiting for it to clear up, which was the forecast. It was going to clear up. So we sit down, we have breakfast, we're chatting with some of the other people, and the hangar neighbor comes in. Says, when did you get here? We we got up and let him have our seats. When, when did you get here? Oh, about, about an hour and a half ago. You did, you flew IFR to go to breakfast? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that seem a little frivolous to you? I said, no, it frivolous. seems like maintaining currency to yeah. me. Plus, it seems like using the airplane. Darn it. That's and, what, that's uh, what said, it's for. My big disappointment is that I'm not going to be able to shoot the approach going back to uh, Augusta Municipal because the weather's cleared up. Right. I can go back up on an instrument flight plan, but I can't log an approach because it's VMC. So... You know, get off my back, take your seat, have breakfast, and shut the fuck up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> there you go. See? Okay. Um, just to, I, mean, I, I think we're done here, but I just wanted to, just for my clarity, and I think I know the answer to this, one can be completely instrument current without having any recent IMC actual even under the hood. Is that correct? No. No. De so, well, so there is a, define what, define recent. Say again. I'm sorry. De define so, I recent. I, I I don't know. To, what, what help me? Tell me what the rule is. What what is the currency rule? Every six months, you have to have logged six hours of actual or simulated instrument time, uh, six approaches, um, okay. and um, holding patterns. 
uh, course interceptions, and there's probably some other thing okay. out there. That, but can the course interceptions and holding pattern stuff be done in VMC? In absolutely, they can yeah. be done so, in simulated. So the only part of it, the yeah. only part of it that's anything like I'm making finger quotes real, all right, is that logged, um, simulated or actual part that you talked at the beginning, right? <laughs> Everything else can be done looking out the window. I'm not sure I understand your question. <laughs> yeah, to the extent I'm, that you have to log x number of approaches can you do them in bms no no they have to be simulated or actual yeah uh, okay. all right well that's the, better the than basic, I thought. yeah oh, the basic that's... rule is you have to depart the final approach fix in actual ifr or simulated ifr right. for, words, for the approach yeah like well, for, for the approach to can't count. simulated include flying under a hood with a safety pilot or an instructor exactly exactly yeah well no that's what i was getting at yeah okay all right well that's better than i thought i i, I was afraid that it was just really really easy to stay current but Okay. All right. That's enough. We we we'll, we may visit. This it again used someday. to be that six hour six approaches in six months was not a big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, but, every now and then I might have to go out and practice specifically to to get you, my numbers back up. And you get a, you, you get a six month you know, window right. there basically to to uh, to find the the six at six again before you have to take an IPC. Uh, sometimes an IPC is preferable. Um, sometimes it's not. The preferable thing is to fly enough instruments that you don't need an IPC or that you don't have to fret about getting the six and six. Right. Okay. And to close a loop on this, that hangar neighbor was an instrument rated pilot. Yeah, I know. I've heard you've told me this. You've told the story before, and it always makes me hit, shake my head. Oh, well. Um, one final question on this subject, and that is. Can can you really still get a new Camry? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Do they make Camrys anymore? I thought the Camry had been Camry model had been retired. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. I hadn't heard that, and it, maybe I, I, I could check with my friends in Georgetown. Yeah, Kentucky. I know. It's too bad we don't have a device. I, There's I get a it. two thousand one. Okay. Well, I mean, I know people that work at that worked at the Camry factory uh, in Georgetown, Kentucky. Yeah. And is it really? And if they do still make a car that they call a Camry, is it really a Camry? Because of course the Camry used to be like what the most popular car in the world or something like that for a period of time, and uh, you know, if it's if it's you know the American market would have caused the Camry to grow out of all. No, uh, well, anyway. the Camry was Toyota's Taurus. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, did very popular, midsize, very vanilla. Uh, Reliable, like uh, the Honda Civic or an Accord. You know, you can depend on it. Uh. Anyways, all right. I think we've reached the end of our allotted time here. Um, I, uh, um, Why? I, 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 I'm going to thank you guys. I'm actually going to put the real formal intro, uh, thank you thing in later on. Um, so assume that I... I've already said that stuff, at which point I would then say say something along the lines of, David, David, is there something you wanted to tell us? Yeah. Do you want to be old enough to get a COVID-19 shot? Go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Let's be careful out there, folks. Yeah.